This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we are talking about minimizing taxes in retirement. And with me today, I have Kelsey Banke. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you, Mary. Kelsey is a certified financial planner with Stirk Financial, and she actually has been doing a number of different speaking engagements about taxes in retirement. And one of the things that I think is fascinating is that there really is several different myths when it comes to taxes in retirement that we want to dispel when we're talking today. So Kelsey, what's the biggest myth out there that you see when people are thinking about taxes in retirement? Well, the hot topic and number one thing we talk about is the myth that taxes will always be lower in retirement. And I don't think that that's true, and there's a number of reasons for that. But you hear all through your career, at least most people say that they've heard this, defer, defer, defer on your taxes because you'll have a lower tax rate in retirement and you can wait and pay your taxes then. Yeah, and I just don't think that that's true because... I don't anticipate that taxes are really likely to be lower in retirement. I think that it's more true that taxes are gonna have to go up and I think that the reality of that is driven from the fundamental math problem that we have in our federal deficit. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a handful of things that come together on that. But especially if you're a young person um, and you're you're saving for retirement, you're likely gonna have a lot of career growth over your, your time. Um, and and become more accustomed to a higher standard of living over time, therefore needing more money in retirement. And then as you age and you get closer, um, you know, the amount of money that you're wanting to spend in retirement is a lot higher. So compound that with the fact, uh, Mary, what you're saying with the problem with the federal federal budget. <laughs> um, and I think that it's, it's not true that taxes will be lower in retirement. So with the federal budget, what we're looking at is the federal revenue that is coming in each year is, you know, in 2018, excuse me, it was $3.3 trillion. The federal spending in 2018 was $4.1 trillion. (laughs) That's the math problem I'm talking about. That's an $800 billion deficit. Now, if we put that into terms for a household budget, just because sometimes when you start talking trillions and billions, it gets really confusing mm-hmm. um, for, for most people. Um, so if we put it into terms of a household budget, that's the equivalent of somebody bringing in an income of $33,000, but spending $41,000 every year. So they're spending $8,000 more per year than what they're actually bringing in. And proportionally, and that's huge. Of zeros on that. Yeah, proportionally, <laughs> that's huge, right? Like to be deal. overspending by that percentage of your income really is something that makes a massive difference. And the, the the real issue that we have here is that this isn't really getting any better, and it's happening year after year after year after year. So, in order for the money situation and this math problem that's happening to right itself, one of two things has to happen. Either that we have to reduce spending in the government or they have to raise taxes to cover it. And so even though they may reduce some spending, it's not likely to be something that is actually going to solve the problem all on its own. Absolutely. And part of that's because if you look, and we've done whole radio shows on this in the past, so we'll be brief here, but 
if you look at the amount of the federal budget that goes toward things like Social Security, Medicare, and defense spending, which most people are on board with Mm -hmm. having those three things in our budget, that's like the bulk of the budget. So what's left over for them to actually tweak and reduce spending is a very small piece of that federal budget. So it's very, you know, most likely um, the bulk of this problem when they get around to solving it is gonna have to be solved through raising taxes and raising the income for the federal government. Now, one thing that people don't realize is that while we had sweeping tax reform happen a couple of years ago that lowered the tax brackets for people, most people don't realize that that sunsets in the year 2026. So even though we have better tax brackets now for most people, the reality is that there's already a finite timeline on this. This is not something that's forever. And we already have the date that we can see where taxes are likely to go back up again. And so 2026, if we know that between now and 2026, there's a possibility that we're gonna keep our lower tax brackets now, but in 2026, they're gonna go back up, then there are some strategies that you might be able to deploy between now and then that are actually going to help create tax minimization for you in the future once the brackets have gone back up. So we're gonna definitely talk about some of those strategies today. Another myth though that I want to attack with this, Kelsey, is that a lot of people think that tax strategies and tax planning are only really something that the rich people do or that the high, high, high income earners do. And I think that that's a huge mistake for people to not be thinking about how tax management can impact them no matter what their income bracket is. Yeah, a dollar saved on taxes is a dollar saved on taxes. I'm, I'm in favor of that, whether you're somebody who feels like they live really frugally or somebody who lives a very lavish lifestyle. There's, um, if money can be saved and not be sent to the government, that that's good. So there's, and, and think of it in these two ways. There's unavoidable taxes which is taxes you have to pay because you live in this country and you use the services and goods that the federal government is paying for and we can't get around those. But there's avoidable taxes as well. And that's what we're trying to combat because avoidable taxes are taxes that you're paying simply because you're not taking advantage of the, the benefits in the, in the tax code and, and doing things in a certain way that would help you avoid paying tax on that money. I just don't like paying more in taxes than I have to. Happy to pay the taxes than I am supposed to, you know, because um, it's just what I do as a citizen of the country. But anywhere where you can avoid paying taxes, money you keep in your pocket, why would you not explore those regardless of how much money you bring in per year? I think another myth that people have out there that they believe is that CPAs do taxes and financial advisors only do investments. And the reality that I see with that is really that your CPA and your financial advisor should be collaborating. They should be working together to try to help you minimize the tax burden of your investment planning on a current basis and then also on a strategic long-term basis. And if your financial advisor is not talking to you about tax impact, tax minimization strategies, and talking about collaborating with your CPA, you might be one to question whether or not there is a way to improve that and to be, you know, to add value to your planning with that. Exactly. Your, your CPA and your, your ta- financial planner are bringing together two different expertise, uh, their levels of expertise on their um, what they're working on. And 
Um, somebody who, you know, if we, as we've said in the past, you're, you're certified financial planner, acts as a quarterback, because we do have training in all of those different things. We have um, some level of education in them. So we can kind of step in and, and speak the taxes with a CPA, even though they're they're going to be the ones that know the nitty gritty details of the tax code and know your um, tax income history and things like that. Um, really, that collaborative uh, relationship can help you trim down on those avoidable taxes, right. um, I think, in probably the best way. So when you think about minimizing your taxes in retirement and you think about tax planning, there are some what we call tax torpedoes <laughs> that can really bomb your retirement planning. And yes. <laughs> the, the first tax torpedo that I want to talk about is not understanding how Social Security is actually taxed because the reality is that it's taxed based on your other income. Yeah, so this one can be a pretty big deal, uh, especially for people who are falling, you know, right on the edge of, of the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so your, your Social Security is taxed. For those of you who maybe don't know that, um, the Social Security can be taxed. So even though you paid into the system all these years, um, the money coming back out to you is something that can fall into your tax uh, taxable income. Now, it can either, um, you could have none of it taxed, you could have 50% of it taxed, you could have 85% of it taxed, or some combination of those numbers, just depending on how much provisional income you have. So your provisional income um, are sources of, sources of income such as pension payments, wages if you're employed, um, distributions from your 401ks and IRAs, interest and dividend income. Now this is a special note. If you've built up a lot of assets um, that are giving you tax-free interest such as municipal bonds, if that was part of your income planning strategy, the tax-free interest that doesn't make it taxable, but that tax-free interest does come into the calculation of determining whether your social security is taxable or not. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. Not a lot of people really know that, that particular piece. Capital gains also get included, and then one half of your social security is included in the provisional income uh, calculation. Once that calculation is done, then it helps determine how much of your social security is actually taxable. Now the torpedo comes into the put into the picture when um, you might be, you know, trucking along in retirement and your social security is, you know, minimally taxed because of how much income you're bringing in. But then you maybe go on a vacation and take out extra from your IRA, mm-hmm. or you buy a new car, or you put that, you know, do that bathroom remodel that you've been holding off on for several years and you take a large distribution from your um, IRAs or, or 401k, that can be a big torpedo that then launches your income of uh, and then your tax on social security to a much higher level. So you need to be paying attention to that and how that would income or would impact. So I encourage you um, anytime you're looking to take out a larger than normal um, distribution, you need to be talking with your financial advisor and with your CPA to make sure you understand how that impacts your taxes. Yeah, and and you know that's why we call it a tax torpedo is because taking more on an occasional basis can have tax consequences that you're not thinking about, like this provisional income issue with your social security. 
All right, there's one more uh, torpedo that we want to talk about before we head to our break. And now this is not considered a tax, but it is a retirement torpedo that has to do with the income that you're taking. And that's what's called the Medicare um, High Income Beneficiary Excess Premium. So if your income is high enough in retirement, you can actually have a surcharge put on your Medicare premium. And it can be as high as several hundred dollars a month more per person for your Medicare Part B premium. And there's also one that can go on your Medicare Part D, the drug coverage. And so when you're doing your retirement planning, not only is it about taxes, keeping, you know, trying to avoid as much tax as possible and keeping money in your pocket. But it's also understanding how the different incomes you take are going to interplay with what you owe for Medicare. So you can keep, again, more money in your pocket. So that's a torpedo in retirement planning that we'd like to help you try to avoid. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named the 2020 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list for the third year running. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And again, today we're talking about minimizing taxes in retirement. We've talked about a couple of torpedoes that can happen in your retirement planning. The next torpedo that we want to talk about that can really bomb your retirement plan is having long-term chronic health care issues and especially needing to go into a nursing home. And I really think that not planning for this can throw a monkey wrench into your plans faster than many other things can because it can be such a huge expense. Absolutely. Like this is, you hear about this one a lot in the Midwest um, because when, you know, grandma and grandpa or mom and dad get sick, oftentimes if planning hasn't been done and if there's not enough liquid assets to pay for nursing home care, then you hear stories of people having to sell parts of the farm right. or, mm-hmm. um, you know, and lots of century farms around here, uh, especially, and that can be a a devastating thing not only to their their portfolio of assets but you know it's it's an emotional thing to to have to lose your farm or sell part of it to to have care so the tax torpedo though that comes in on this is what is the taxable event of selling that asset and what is that going to do not only to the income that you have to the taxes that you have to pay in that year but also um, it's, it's not the most maybe tax efficient way to go about getting those assets as opposed to planning that could be done. Right. So it's, this is a, a tough torpedo because there's a big emotional piece that goes into that as well. Another tax torpedo that most people don't even know exists is when you do lose your spouse. And not only is that a devastating loss for people, but it comes with its very own special tax torpedo as well. And the tax torpedo that comes with losing your spouse is that you move from a married tax bracket to a single tax bracket. And because of that, your standard deduction goes down. You have, um, you know, even if you have the same amount of money coming into your household, you now have less deductions and you have higher brackets happening. And that creates kind of a double whammy of higher taxation for the surviving spouse. 
So that is a tax torpedo to be aware of that the whole tax bracket tax change that happens when you lose a spouse is definitely not in your favor. So keep that in mind when you're doing your planning. So those are the torpedoes that can happen, but let's talk a little bit about how to preserve your retirement and to avoid some of those torpedoes. So one of the ways that you can avoid them is to really, when you're building your wealth, to, to use what we call tax-efficient funnels to build your wealth. So Kelsey, give us a, a short overview of what these tax-efficient funnels are. So with the funnels, it's important to understand that not all money in, in savings is taxed the same. Um, so usually the three funnels that I like to break it down into are a pre-tax funnel, a post-tax funnel, and a tax-advantaged funnel. So your pre-tax funnel, most people are familiar with this funnel because that's what a 401k or a retirement plan through your employer would be, um, is money that has been contributed to it in a tax-deferred way, meaning it didn't pay um, tax on the contributions that went into it. However, when you didn't pay the tax on the money that went into it, you're gonna have to pay tax when it comes out. Um, so it's a pre-tax, tax-deferred um, funnel. A post-tax, funnel is a little bit different in the fact that uh, money goes in, the contributions you contribute have already been taxed. So think of like a brokerage account or um, a bank account, things like that. The money went in, it's already had taxes paid on it. Then you only have to pay tax on the gain that's realized when you take distributions. So if you take money out and you sold whatever you were invested in for a gain, uh, you pay tax on the gain and whatever taxation applies there, um, but not on the contribution that was made because you already paid tax on that. Now the tax advantage funnel, um, if you've heard of a Roth IRA or Roth 401k, which hopefully you have, we talk about those all the time, um, those would fall under a tax advantage. There's a couple other things that fall under that bucket, uh, flex spending accounts, health savings accounts, 529s, cash value life insurance, things like that where it's not necessarily pre-tax or post-tax, it's got some actual, some extra tax advantage piece to it. So with Roth, um, we'll talk about that since the most common, you pay tax on the money that goes in. When you go to take distributions out, um, if you've held it for at least five years until in, and until age 59 and a half, then you will not have to pay taxes on any earnings. Right, so the tax, tax advantage. Yeah, the tax advantage ones mean that they have some tax quirkiness to them where there are advantages that aren't found in traditional pre-tax or post-tax things. So the thing about these tax-efficient funnels is that a lot of people think about, well, how am I going to take my money out of things and they, they relegate their tax odds to that. But we're saying the thought on tax planning really should happen before you even put your money in. Some years you might want to put more in the pre-tax side, some years it might be more in the post-tax side, some years it might be more in the tax advantage side, but you really are going to be kind of swinging like a pendulum each year between the things depending on what your income is and what your current financial strategy is. So paying attention to money going into these tax-efficient funnels really is a big key to minimizing taxes in the future and being able to have choice in the future about where we take money out of so we can blend the income in such a way to minimize taxes. The next thing that I think is really important to talk about when it comes to reducing taxes in retirement is paying attention to something called tax-sensitive asset allocation. 
Now, you hear people talking about asset allocation and diversification all the time, but you don't frequently hear them talking about tax-sensitive asset allocation. And basically what that means is that certain types of assets are taxed in certain, I should say, certain types of investment vehicles and assets are taxed in different ways. So Kelsey, share a little bit about kind of an overview of what tax-sensitive asset allocation looks like. Tax-sensitive asset allocation is looking at how you're investing the assets and and combining that up with um, what are the tax treatment of the different accounts. So it, it's, it's not looking at a global portfolio for you and then just splitting every account. You know, let's say you need to be a 50-50 risk level between equities and bonds or fixed income. Um, let's say that's the risk level you're at. Instead of taking every single account and splitting it 50-50, tax-sensitive asset allocation looks at your overall portfolio and says, what's the most tax-deficient way to get to a 50-50 split for the overall portfolio, even if not every single account has that risk level? So you might have some accounts that are really aggressive, 100% equities, but you might have another account of equal value in a different tax type that's 100% fixed income, therefore drawing your whole risk level from a global perspective to a 50-50 split. So it's a it's a deeper dive mm-hmm. and being strategic in which particular accounts that have different risk or different taxation, which accounts should have what kind of um, assets in them with the goal of the global portfolio um, having the right risk level. And it can be really effective um, in your income planning to make sure the most money is available for you um, at the end of your life and reducing um, the amount of taxes you pay. So nice nice way to look at things. Um, you just need to, to look at it from a different way than what typically is done. The last thing that I want to just touch on before we end today is reducing some tax drag when it comes out in retirement. So um, recently with the SECURE Act being passed, it changed the age that people have to start taking required minimum distributions to age 72. So that was good for retirees from the standpoint of you can push back a little bit before you have to start taking taxable distributions out of your retirement. But one of the things that can happen is that um, you have, if you're going to do charitable giving, you have the ability to combine your charitable giving with your required minimum distribution planning to actually create less tax drag when you're filing your return. And that's done by using what's called a QCD, a Qualified Charitable Distribution. And when you donate from your IRA directly to a charity, instead of taking that RMD yourself, it basically bypasses your tax return, which is an awesome way to create less tax drag when it comes to calculating what your total taxes are. So that's a big strategy that we see a lot of retirees using to reduce their taxes in retirement. Now, taxes in retirement have a lot of different moving parts, and what's very important is that your CPA and your financial advisor are collaborating strategically when money's going in, strategically when money's coming out in order to keep more money in your own pocket. So we hope that these strategies have been helpful for you as you're thinking about how to reduce taxes in your own retirement, keep some more money in your own pocket. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. 
The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.